Welcome to Hey Hello Podcast, a space where I sit down with doctors, nurses, patients and professionals in all avenues of healthcare. We talk on topics within the space relative to them. You'll hear us chat about medical moments, personal experiences and all things in between. Well, it's a pretty bloody nice day here in Perth today. No, so let's just cut the funny business. Today's episode, um, you are going to have some really cool insights into a remote health service that is provided from Perth to regional parts of WA. Service is called Flight Health, um, two being the number two. So Flight Health started then less than two years ago and it's already having a really significant impact in our regional communities. During this conversation, you're going to hear more about what Flight Health offers to these communities and the role they're having for these people. You're going to hear about Ken's background and what led him into starting the service. Ken is Kennedy Lay, the director of Flighter Health. So I sit down with him and here's my guest on this episode that you're about to tune in on. So let's just get straight into it. We'll start off by introducing, do you prefer Ken or Kennedy? Um, interestingly enough, we're live, aren't we? Yeah, we're uh, live. Don't worry, I can I edit. Yeah, so I know you edit. Um, <laughs> Interestingly, so I was, um, might be a good gateway, my official first name is Pock. Pock. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure you want to dive into it, but um, at, at high school I got friendly bullied in, in um, calling me like Pock Choi. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> in, like, is it like the bok choy? Like the bok choy. Oh. Um, but so my official name is Pock Lay, um, but grew up, um, born in Hong Kong, grew up in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So Hong Kong is a very... Uh, obviously, a um, you know politically varied landscape, um, especially you know in what happened in the last fifty years. So the British colony has meant that um, I needed to have an English name. Oh, really? And Why my, so? Uh, because well, it was, it was it was owned by the British colony um, up until obviously recently with what happened with China. Um, so you still needed an English name. We still had English classes. You still had, um, I suppose, quotation mark white teachers yeah. um, that would call you by your English name. So my dad really loved JFK, the president. So he decided to go with Kennedy. That's an awesome backstory. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. that so you can call me Ken, Ken Kennedy, Kennedy Pock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, close friends call me Ken. You can call me Ken. 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 We can yeah. roll with Ken. Yeah. Um, firstly, thank you so much for joining Hey Hello and having this conversation today. I'm excited for everyone to have a bit of a listen to see about your space and what you offer and what you've achieved and everything. So thank you. Thanks for having um, me, Hannah. <laughs> okay, so firstly, you've just introduced just yourself with your name. So we might just give everyone a little bit of a backstory in your medical career-wise. You studied physio. And then non-medically, you also are a pilot. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? What led you into physio and then to become a pilot? Yeah, yeah. This is a, I mean, this goes back to, to childhood uh, and relates to that first piece of conversation where we had, where I was born in Hong Kong. So back in the late 90s, there was a Hong Kong drama show called Triumph in the Skies. And it showcased, and it was a brilliant marketing stunt for Cathay Pacific. Um, and back in the times they were, uh, I think they were going through something, they were you know, trying to ramp up business again. 
So it showcased these two pilots, you know, young, good-looking, handsome, tall pilots tra traveling around the world and, and getting all these, um, uh, I suppose, developing all these romances <laughs> around the world. And as a young boy, uh, I was like, wow, I would, um, you know, that, that resonated with me. Yeah. <laughs> purely because of the female part. <laughs> uh, but obviously the, the coolness that comes with flying. Um, as well. Uh, and whenever I go to the airport, and dad travelled a lot for work, um, so I would be at the airport probably every month. Um, and I just love seeing in the back of the car, rolling up to the airport and seeing that big tail fin of whatever that is, Connus, uh, you know, with a red kangaroo or Cathay Pacific with, with the, um, uh, it was like an aqua green tick um, that res resembled still a bird. They're still going as well, I'm pretty sure. They're still going, yeah. yeah. Um, so that has always planted a seed in aviation. Um, so that's where the aviation blood um, came in. And throughout high school, I, you know, I came from a, you know, you can't see me on this podcast, but I am visibly Asian. Um, <laughs> and from my background um, of Asian, Asian descent, and my parents have always been conservative parents where, um, you know, a safe option is, uh, you know, stereotypically uh, in the office, you know, whether that's a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. Um, and I, you know, throughout high school, I didn't have the grades to get into medicine. So um, make it sound uh, not so good for, for our physio world, but not true anymore. And I'm glad I'm not in medicine. Um, I ended up with physio. Um, I really liken that to my ability with people. I'm a really good people person. Yeah. Um, and that has led me to be a good physiotherapist. Um, and obviously that aviation um, came from a young childhood. So, yeah. But, and then the fact that you've been able to combine the two as well has, is so paramount because how many people get to have two things that they love and have them together and That's be right. doing that. How special. Especially yeah. going back from childhood and you looking at that TV show and, and being like, I want to do this one day. But then being able to, I guess, fulfill your parents' dreams of being in the medical industry, yeah. but to a different degree doing physio. And the, uh, I suppose the story with aviation is throughout my physio degree, I always wanted to go flying. So I just enrolled myself in some flying lessons and it was about yeah, three three years into my physio career, um, I got um, I got a bit burnt out in in the profession. Um, I was seeing about 60, 65 patients a week. Uh, I push so it. you were working at a practice. Yeah, a private yeah. practice. But to you know, I push it on myself. Yeah. So you were um, just yeah a high achiever, wanting to you know see as many patients as you could, and yeah, yeah that's a lot of patients to see, isn't yeah. it? And help as many people. Yeah, as, absolutely. As and you being such a people person as well, you would have. I, I'm going to make the assumption that there would have been people come in maybe last minute or say that there was an issue and you're like, yeah, yeah, we'll squeeze you Absolutely. in. Absolutely. So that would just add to the numbers yep. significantly. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's ironic, right? Like in healthcare, they say, you know, fill your own cup first yes. um, and then fill others. But I'm sure you find it the we same. We just spoke honey. about this recently on my last podcast, actually, about how you as a health practitioner can fill your own cup. And we spoke about um, my last guest, Lex, who was also a physio. She said that because she finds it so demanding and there's so many, it's very social, her way of filling her cup up is completely isolate and you know just hibernate for a little bit and recharge that way. Yeah. But I, 
it's funny because you, you hit the nail on the head. We are so giving and we need to fill our cup up, but we almost fill our cup up by giving. Yeah. So it's like a bit of a catch-22. Like I know for me, I get so much fulfillment and joy out of working with people and seeing the difference you make, mm-hmm. but at the detriment of burning myself out for that, but yeah. because it brings me joy. So it's it's one of those like finding the balance of knowing when to pull back and knowing when to push more and being like, okay, I'm not giving my best to my patients. What do I need to readdress? Am I sleeping? Am I eating? Am I exercising? Like all those, I think, foundational essentials. Yeah. What do you do? Anna? What do I do? Yeah, do you, ice, do you hibernate? Do you isolate? That's a good question. I don't think I've ever had to answer this. Um, I definitely need to exercise. I'm someone who I love my fitness. I think it's the hour that I get to completely no phone, no people, nothing. I'm just in my zone, just in my own thoughts. And so I love exercise. Um, probably too much that mm-hmm. I get told I need to like have a bit of a rest day. Yeah. Um, and I think walking and listening to podcasts and I think probably similar actually. You socially so exert that you do need to kind of like recharge. Like we're almost introverted extroverts. I say we, but for me, and I, I see that in my colleagues as well. So I think kind of keep to myself a little bit recharge and and exercise and just um make sure i'm doing things that bring me joy like little things that bring me joy throughout the week or the days or yeah i agree the are you familiar with the 16 personalities test no brilliant test we are starting to make everyone at flight of health do it that's an awesome initiative i love that it's a very accurate uh you know it's um it has scientific um, backing of you know the sixteen personalities, um, and it's not you know it's not a horoscope type um, test or, or, or analysis, um, but it it you know tells you uh, that the traits are common the traits that each personality um, I suppose uh, possess, and it goes through a list of I'm pretty sure there's a list of hundred questions and it actually dissect you know what you are so it's very interesting and one of the categories is introvertism versus extrovertism um, and when you mention the extroversion introversion I think we're all it's all it's a spectrum yeah isn't it I think it's hard to put someone and there's definitely full-blown extroverts and full-blown introverts but there yeah. is a middle ground where I think there's people that fall into both yeah. Um, do, so, ha, what was your personality result for your test? Fate? Yeah. So I was a council, uh, as as the name suggests. Um, I am good with people, and yeah. I love guide guiding people, leading people, assisting people. But the uh, there's there's four traits. Uh, I suppose there's uh, four opposing traits that you fall into the category of, um, and uh, I can't remember them all. But I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Technically, um, according to the um, the personality test. That's right. You have to send me this. I'd love to. I will. You mentioned that you use that for your staff, and that just allows you to get a bit of a picture of how they work, so you can help kind of support them to be the best they can. Is that what that the reasoning is there? With, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, initially, someone else was like, "Oh, this could be a good." Um, uh, I suppose tests for uh, you know specific teams you get put on in terms of you, you know you go to a location together, but then that's almost discriminating because of personality. Yeah. So it's more so finding out strengths and weaknesses and the way and the habit of work to assign tasks that are 
to everyone's strength or areas of improvement. Yeah. They're not even weaknesses, right? Just it just helps like, direct them to perform to their best capability. That's by right. Supporting. While we're here, actually, perhaps we should talk about what you actually do now. Yes. We haven't even said what you're doing. So yes. you've, from physio for seven years, physiotherapist for seven years, is yep. that right? And you also did your aviation during your study. You became a pilot. Yeah. And then somehow you fell into being a physio who flies. Yeah. So do we <laughs> want to talk about this? Sure. How did we this, how did the this happen? Was, okay, a few questions here. How did that happen? Was fly to health something that you initiated? Was it you bought the business out there, like you put the name out there and, and developed it? Fantastic. Okay, let's let's roll. Let's find out what's going on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So let's rewind back to our conversation about um, the burnout. So the period of burnout after physio, uh, that was after three and a half years in the career. And then uh, coincidentally and serendipitously, the Qantas Academy came up back in, uh, you know, this was several years ago. So the Qantas Academy uh, opportunity came up and applied and I really want to pursue an uh, aviation career uh, at that time. And because of my, uh, I suppose if you call, want to call it high achieving nature is always... We'll definitely call it high achieving yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah. What's the next thing, right? And the next thing is um, let's get into Qantas, um, let's train, become a commercial pilot and, you know, let's see where this career can take me because I was burnt out from physio. And through various interview processes, it was a it was a pretty challenging process. There was three stages, um, and it was it comprised of psychometrics testing, computer tests, simulator, uh, and an actual interview with um, the I suppose the bosses at the time. Got through that, uh, went into my training, and I remember, remember distinctly it was uh, it was about two days before my commercial pilot's exam. I decided I didn't want to push a button for a living for the rest of my life, and that being autopilot. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, pilots, commercial pilots, you know, whatever pilots of whatever standard, just have so many skills, um, but those skills are reserved for 0.01% of the time. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, excuse my language, shit hits the fan. But day to day, um, you know, it's, it's tough being a young commercial pilot because you have to uh, live away from home, you have to go abroad, um, you have to do international or domestic trips. But I want a family, I want stability. So therefore, I, um, I yeah, decided against that career in, in aviation. And it's, it's funny that you say that um, you burnt out from physio, but that you went into aviation, which is incredibly hard. Yeah. That is tough. Like it's a very, very hard thing to do. So that I think is a bit of a um, compliment to your high achieving <laughs> nature, perhaps that physio was a burnout, but you took on something like aviation. Yeah. Um, and I think your nature as well of being an extroverted person, was that part of the reasoning you visualized your future and saw yourself sitting in a plane for long hours and living in that little bubble? That's right. Without human or without much human interaction, except Perhaps for your... just a bit of welcome aboard flight 377. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You've that nailed it, it You've nailed it. Is that how they do it? <laughs> and then, like, what's the next thing they usually say? Um, where are we going to fly today? Maybe uh, New Zealand. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, off Wellington. to New Zealand. We're off to Wellington. Um, bit of turbulence. Just make sure your seatbelt's fastened. 
and we'll get you grounded safely. Yeah. Something like that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and you let them know when the in-flight entertainment is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The good old Kiwi. Um, have you been on a New Zealand plane, by the way? I'm, dig- I'm digressing a little bit here, but... I have. Did you appreciate it? I did. Brilliant. I thought okay, good. Yeah, the airline is brilliant. But I'd like do to you have something like that? No, I don't. Yeah, I have right, no okay. affiliation <laughs> with Air New Zealand. But um, yeah, no, they are a great, great airline. So is this, back. Is this podcast sponsored by Air New Zealand? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it will be. I mean, it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Right. So back to fly to house. So you did your aviation and your physio, then you realised after aviation, actually, this is a bit much I don't want to be in a bubble of flying and and I want to have a family so then you pull back to physio yes I uh, there was a transition period um, but I still you know as as pilots um, it is still crucial to keep the hours up and keep currency so it pretty much immediately after flying school I was like what can I do to maintain my hours um, while still using the two qualifications and hobbies and passions of mine. Um, so I pretty much started straight away flying to regional and rural WA. So that started with me flying once a week to a little town called Narragin. Yeah. Uh, it's about two and a half hours drive from, from Perth, but it's only half an hour. And that was pretty much the idea of Flight of Health. And that, the Flight of Health was established, um, I suppose the idea was established from that operation model um, to now, you know, we are all over WA, we are starting in Queensland, um, but we really, you know, we have, we have one sole purpose and goal and it's to make sure those people who don't have access in regional areas to get access. Uh, and that's, that's as simple as that. And everyone share the same mission and passion and purpose and the altruism at Flight of Health and you can feel it. Um, and that's yeah and you know for that was that was only two years ago was it so it's been two years that flight of health has been out less less just just under two years and what made you decide you know what we need to provide a service in the regional parts of wa was there a a pivotal moment that perhaps you saw maybe a patient in your clinic that was from remote area or yeah yeah, precisely. So when I started flying myself to Narragin, the uh, the reception was so good that I was booked out every single day. And wow. what all the country folks said to me was, um, you know, this is such a great model. Can you bring someone else with you? Hey, my kid also needs a speechy. Can you bring a speechy with you on these flights? Um, and that's that's, That's what, what happened. Because you would have then seen all the gaps and the tools, I guess, because you know other health professionals, like you perhaps may have known, so you can kind of pull those together and use that as a flight of health. That's right. That's yeah. right. And unfortunately, until, and, and, uh, and I say this with all the respect in the world, but we live in a nice bubble in Perth. We live in a nice bubble in Brisbane, Darwin, Adelaide, where the remote states are. But until you actually get out there, the regional health issues are actually dire. There's there's less than, um, you know, our workforce is burning out you know, at an increasing rate. And there's just less and less access to basic healthcare needs, even two hours from Perth, uh, let alone mm-hmm. Aboriginal communities out in Goldfields or the Midwest mm-hmm. uh, in, in WA or even, you know, the Kimberley or the Kununurra. So interestingly, Kununurra has some of the poorest health outcomes and it's been compared mm-hmm. to, you know, continents like Africa 
which really? is a third world country. So it, it's it's really disappointing. So this, um, you know, it's a, it's a shameless plug for regional health, but I'm hoping through this... It's not shameless at all because communities need help. That's right. Yeah. You know, like this is, it's not acceptable. Yeah. And I hope through this, you know, the, the yeah, um, however many people hear this can resonate that message on um, is that you know, country people are getting less and less help um, ever and than before. And we need our country people. We need that's such a essential part of the community that if we aren't looking after those people, I don't think people will realise how significant that loss will be until it's until we're there. And that's unfortunately, right. we shouldn't have to get there to then realise we should have done something sooner. That's so right. This is where Fighter Health is fantastic because it's starting that initiative and it's starting to support the people that need it most and, and provide that service. Yeah. And we're taking metropolitan, we're taking a, uh, a changing workforce uh, from, you know, the, the younger workforce don't necessarily want to move to the country. I was going to bring this in actually because I think that's part of the reason that the regional remote areas are empty in terms of resources. Yeah. What young uh, new person in their career wants to go remotely when they have so much opportunities here in Perth with setting up their career and you mentioned family and, yeah. and things so it's not a driving force unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you know what we're doing is we're revolutionising the way that healthcare is delivered uh, but also you know, adjusting to the generational shift of the mindset of the workforce of, hey, you can still live in your Bibra Lake um, townhouse, yep. but you get to experience rural health whilst not living out there, whilst coming back home to, to dinner with your family every single night. Uh, and that's why in a current climate industry of no one can hire, it's an employee's market, Flight of Health is attracting more people than ever we are retaining our retention rate is amazing and we just attract uh, brilliant great professionals who have that altruism to help out the country yeah that's fantastic i love that i was just thinking you're going to need some more airplanes that's, that's the next problem <laughs> so, we're running into yes. i was just thinking as you were saying this i was like how many how many planes have you got at the moment uh, we've got four in wa okay we're well, going to need another four Yes, Probably. very quickly. So what services does Fighter Health provide? Yeah, so primarily, currently we are in allied health in the therapy space. So we provide ongoing therapy in four domains, in physiotherapy, speech pathology, occupational therapy and psychology. Okay. And that's across all age span, um, across uh, most uh, disability and chronic conditions. Um, we, we tend to focus on that um, continual care rather than once-off pop-up clinics or assessment services. So essential to have the continuing care, um, especially when it's something that's it's a long-term investment. Yep. It's not a quick fix, we're going to pop in and see you once, bye. It's an investment into their health yep. and their future. That's right. And what we're seeing and what we're hearing is uh, historically clients would drive, they would have to take the whole day off wherever they are, they all have to drive into Perth three to seven hours uh, and they would have to often stay the night, you know, take another day off and, and go home. So what we're doing is we're providing 
right to their doorstep where they take two hours off work on a particular day and we're there at their doorstep. So it, it's, a, it's a great service. It's been a great service for the Fantastic people. service because access to healthcare is one of the biggest things in creating a barrier. Yep. And what you've done is you've allowed that to be accessible. Yeah. So Monday to Friday. Correct. And nine to five type business. No. 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 Six till six. Six till six. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are, uh, you know, getting out there. We're using all these infrastructure and resource to get our clinicians out there. We want to make sure our clinicians help as many people as they can when they're on the ground. Um, So that means that it is a long, challenging, complex days for clinicians. Mm. And the clinicians, you know, our clinicians know that. um, But, you know, it is really, really challenging, really, really complex caseloads because generally they are from lower social economic status. Uh, But the reward at the end of the day is absolutely amazing. Um, And the flight home is Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful and scenery over WA. That's right. Yeah. If you're not following uh, Fly to Health, is we're on Instagram and TikTok at Fly to Health. You have to follow them. I kept seeing their stories of just out the aeroplane window, and I'm like, yeah, I need to sign up with you guys. Absolutely. Do you take on nurses? No. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that Fly to Health is working on behind the scenes at the moment, apart from getting more aeroplanes in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a multitude of projects that that's happening. The, the, the most forefront to mind one is probably our, our growth into Queensland. So we have just um, appointed a managing director of the East Coast. So he's due to start in September. So he will head up our organisation in based in Brisbane and in aim to, again, service rural New South Wales and rural Queensland. So why Queensland, New South Wales? What was the driving force to make Fly to Health fly there? Uh, as I alluded to before, WA, NT, South Australia, Queensland and rural New South Wales all experience the same issue because we live in the almost one of the biggest country, one of the most remote countries uh, in, our, in the world. And Queensland made a lot of sense because there was a lot of mirroring with the WA landscape where um, there's a... Uh, there's a coastal city um, and there is, uh, there's flight paths both inland and up and down the coast, which is, when you think about it, Perth is inland and also up and down the coast, whereas Darwin and Adelaide sits on uh, a different peninsula. Mm. So, and uh, the other factor is that Queensland is, has about two and a half times the population, uh, which I mean, uh, from a very simple mathematic calculation, two and a half times the demand. So we want to reach, again, to those people in rural Queensland and New South Wales to provide them with access that they can't get. Uh, But, you know, if we're there, they can access that. What's the next goal? I would love to... uh, I interpreted that as personally. Um, one day I yes. love to climb Mount Everest. Um, <laughs> no, that's an awesome goal. Are you training? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> About five years ago I went to Africa and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, wow. And that was the hardest bloody thing I've ever done. How long did that take? Seven days. Yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, have you been to Africa? No. Uh, you should... I definitely have to go. Definitely. I've never even been to Europe. Is that right? Yeah. Every... You might as well just join every second Aussie there at the the moment. 
literally everyone's there at the moment. Um, I've never been to Europe, never been to America, never been to, I've done Asia, like Southeast Asia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, you know what's funny because I moved to Australia and I was gonna do the whole travel thing, but then I got caught up in setting myself up in Australia. Yes. And then when I went to go travel, COVID. So uh, I kind of just put that on pause and yeah. here we are. Is there any plans in the next? Next year, I think I'll be off to Europe. Great. Yeah. Good. Potentially a friend's wedding in um, Italy. So I guess that's a good plug to get to Italy and then adventure around. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, you have to get to Africa. Um, yeah, I was in Africa about five years ago and did Kilimanjaro. And that was the, the toughest mental and more so mental Challenge. Seven days up or like four days up, three days down? Like five days up, two days down, I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a mental barrier of if I sit down, I'm not going to keep going. Um, and it's actually, you know, yeah, physical exertion, yeah, you know, there is, that comes but with it. you can push through that. It's, That's right. It really is the mental side of it when it comes to that endurance training where you're just go, go, go. It's your mind that will let you down. Yeah. Your body will, yeah, you'll get aches and pains, but. That's right. And you, you go to the gym and exercise most days? Yeah, most yeah. days. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think the physical challenge aspect convert or, or translates to the mental um, resilience uh, a lot and uh, I'm also a gym goer and yes. I swim and I try to run and I think that has helped me in uh, I suppose various different endeavours and the challenges that we face every day at Flight of Health. Completely agree. And you know every organisation has its own challenges, every person has its own challenges. So I agree that exercise really does bring you a resilient mindset where you realise that if you feel resistance and you push through it you create change yeah. and I think that if you can bring that mindset into your workplace into your social or your family it's it creates a strong healthy mindset of progression so we did just talk about mental resilience a little bit and um, you highlighted that that is quite a valuable trait how do you bring that into your business and the background of your business? Because you mentioned that it's only it's been less than two years and obviously you guys have made some serious traction. Is that something that you, is involved with your behind the scenes? Yes, and I, I make a certain point to uh, foster a type of culture that uh, enables uh, one, a really high performing team, but at the same time, uh, empathetic high performance and I think the, the, key differentiation, the key differentiation factor at Flutter Health is that uh, it's based on two things it's based on really solidified values and that's teamwork innovation change and humility and those values are governed by uh, the way we act and we, the way we act is guarded by our principles rather than rules you know rules are um you know, don't get me wrong there's there's hard drawn hard fast drawn rules lying in the sand you know sexual harassment bullying that's you know that's that's absolutely no go in any organization in any context but rather decisions should be made by principles right and um and i think out we define our principles pretty clearly and that's in in accordance with our values and that's all underpinned by a uh, 
overarching purpose of breaking down the barrier of healthcare access. And that is so clear. Although it's not written by the wall, although we don't come in every day and worship it, you know, perhaps like some other organisations, but it's so clear in everyone's motives. And that's how we create that thriving culture of that high performance um, and fostering resilience in, in all our team members. And, you know, the, the personality test is a great tool, I think, for any organisation because then it gives you um, it gives you a deeper insight into people, what they thrive, what potentially they help, they need a bit of guidance um, with. But uh, on top of that, the I suppose the leadership hierarchy, and the hierarchy doesn't really exist here, um, it's flat, right? So there's, there's leadership, there's leaders in the organisation who guide, lead and inspire. Uh, there's no managers in organisations that micromanage, that um, you know, uses authority to, to make decisions or, or inform decision-making processes. You mentioned about your employees. You've obviously attracted a particular type of staff and that's part of the reason that you're so brilliant in the services you provide and the way that you're able to be with the remote communities and have that rapport built you must need to have a certain personality, a certain type of person with a certain drive to work with and fly to health. Absolutely. The, it, all starts, uh, it all starts with the person. Um, you, can, you can teach a monkey how to fly a plane and no offence to, to all the pilots out there. Um, those hard skills, you can teach anyone how to do a physio rehab exercise. Uh, you can't teach being a nice person at the mm. end of the day. So our first big tick box item is, are you a nice person to work with? And that ties in closely with our humility value, where if you're a nice person, you're not ego driven. And then if you're a nice person, um, are you a culture fit with our team? Right? And what, is that, you know, what does that cultural fit mean for us? The biggest thing is that connection to country. Whether you're from the country, whether you have experience with student placement on, with the country, with country health, um, or you have a family member or um, from lived experience, a connection to country, is that though that connection to country value is so important that you want to do this complicated, challenging job because you want to help those that are uh, less privileged. Uh, not because you want to fly on a plane for work. Like, that is not the motivation. And that comes out pretty clearly, generally. Um, so, you know, are you a nice person? Do you have the right whys? Do you have the right motivation? What gets you out of bed in the morning? And we, we typically look, look for those. And then generally, um, you know, afterwards, we have, you know, we have an amazing infrastructure and ecosystem of clinical knowledge within the group. So if a certain person is lacking in clinical knowledge, um, that's not hard to teach. Um, so we make sure those prerequisites are in a potential team member and, and we, you know, we worry about the rest later. Oh, that's, I love that because that's so true with, you can teach people those skills. You can't teach someone how to be, their character is built already, but you can build on knowledge and experience by supporting that. Yeah and um, teaching that. That's right. And I, I, you know, I see it all the time and I won't name organisations or, or um, businesses, but, you know, not only in the healthcare space, but if we just look at health healthcare space and how culture is so poorly done, 
Um, Which to me blows my mind because as health professionals, patients want to connect. Mm. The biggest thing I feel even through my practice is patients will, will remember how you made them feel and remember that they felt heard and understood and safe and they don't know how you got all A's in your degree and you're just like top of your class and everyone loves you. They feel if you are able to portray that you know what you're doing and you can connect and build a rapport, that's what's important, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we're here for them. As much as we need to be very good practitioners and we need to know our skills, we also have to be people that can connect. That's right. And we have so many staff who come from different organisations coming here and, uh, you know, I suppose mention their previous workplace culture. And, you know, we're on podcasts, but you won't see this. On the wall, <laughs> right, you know, on the wall in our office, there's a big title, Culture. And, you know, all those things, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll list them out, right? Flexibility, diversity, team, team, team. There's a big... Yeah. Um, Adventure, unique. That's right. Love, flight, help people. Yeah. There's a common theme there. So, and if you fit within that culture, great. Um, you're going to have an amazing career in, in rural health. Uh, you're going to, you know, do some really, really cool work, be exposed to different things. But if you don't fit with those culture... You know, you know, get off the bus. Literally. I feel like what Fly to Health offers that's so unique is you allow each practitioner to thrive with what they can do best. You don't have a, okay, this is the, we're going to go down this track, this is where the train runs. You allow everyone to just branch off to their strengths and your team ethos and the way that you do it, it just gels and it, is that more substance and that more um, positive impact as a result of allowing people to just show to their strengths yeah. and guiding them through that rather than saying you need to behave like this and this is what you'll do. Yeah. You just And that I think keeps people happy as well. Because yeah. I can even, I know from even my experience, going into an environment where you're expected to do certain things when they're not really your strengths and then you feel like you're not able to provide the service that you can when if you could just do things how you can do them best you could really get things going definitely so I feel like fighter health's ethos and the way that you um I I guess structure things is probably what has helped you be so successful within such a short space of time because your employees are happy you guys thrive in your in your environment and your, the uh, the clients that would come to see you will see that and the workers being happy in their job and you know you read it on someone in, in their workspace if you're if you're a patient you know how the practitioner's feeling if they're That's enjoying right. their job yeah. and it sounds like your employees go out to the remote areas and the clients will will rock up there wherever it is that you base and they see how much the fighter health team is happy to be there and be of service and they're just like, you know what, I want to come back. When are you back in town? I'm coming That's right. back. That's right. So that, now on the head. This is what we need more of in healthcare and this is also another reason that I love that what I, this is kind of the, you know, the driver of Hey Hello is to highlight people like you and what you're able to do for the community. Mm. This is We need this in, in the world. We need people who are doing it the right way. Yeah. I agree. You know, future leaders, uh, for, for anyone who's, a, a, I suppose, current or, or aspiring leader, you know, the, um, 
workforce is different. The job requirements and job expectations are changing. You know, by 2030, more than half our workforce will be Gen Z, which is, you know, in 2023 today, they are, I believe they are about 22 or 23. Really? So by 2030, uh, in seven years time, more than half the workforce will be Gen Z. And the reason why I allude to this is uh, the, it's such a different way of leading uh, different generations. The old traditional style of rock up to the office, sign on a timesheet at 9am and you know, you're twiddling your thumbs at 4.50 uh, waiting for that five o'clock alarm bell to ring and go home. That just does not exist anymore. I don't think people can expect that anymore. And it's certainly it's not... It's definitely changing, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and that's what we pride ourselves, again, at, at Flight Health, is that <clears throat> it's not, uh, not time-driven. You know, performance is not time-driven. Performance is outcome-driven. So, you know, I don't care if our therapists do their notes or do their sessions along the Geraldton foreshore near, near the beach. As long as the job is done, I don't mind where, how, when they do it. Um, and, and I think that's worked really well from a leading younger workforce um, point of view. And I think organisations in general just need to be more agile, nimble, quick to move and make mm-hmm. quick decisions uh, so that we're not, you know, we're not stuck in bureaucratic red tape. Because if your employers are enjoying their work, they're going to do it well. Like you say, if you can write your notes out on the foreshore and you get the job done, you're in a space where you're enjoying it and it's it's pleasant. So yeah. if you're going to do it well. Yeah. Rather than being forced to do it in a clinical... Like, it doesn't really matter where it's done, but I can see what you mean in the way that it's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a mindset shift. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a... Maybe I, I belong in the millennial generation. Maybe I, th- I think differently. Um, but I do think that's my kind of two cents to you know, the future of work, um, you know, diversity and how do we make sure we have diversity and flexibility in the workplace. And understanding everyone's differences and allowing them to thrive in whatever environment that we provide for that. Yeah, that's right. So I have a question for you. Okay. You currently offer four services. Is there talk or maybe prospect of a fifth? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. That, that's, um, that's, that's in the works. But, uh, you know, keep following us on, on social media uh, and, and, and you'll find out. And we might get a sneak peek and see what that there is to come. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And when are you, you are evolving over in New South Wales and Queensland, is that just behind the scenes still happening? When will that be all go? Yeah, so the official launch date of our Brisbane services are 4th of September. Not long. So, yeah, in a month. And it's already August. Yep, we're August 2nd, aren't we? Crazy. So within the month and a few days. Yeah. Yeah? Did, was there anything else you wanted to say before we close the doors to the aeroplane and we fly off? No, that's a good one. <laughs> I think I, I can't stress enough um, the, the regional health issues that we have in Australia. I think mm. the, the federal budget just came out uh, not too long ago that there was a $6 billion underspend uh, of our regional and rural health services across Australia. And I think that's, you know, combination of, you know, I think the biggest thing is COVID workforce, right? Or, or the, the impact of COVID that has resulted in our workforce. Um, but I think on the other hand is, um, again, as I said, we live in such bubbles in a metropolitan city. Um, can we raise awareness? Can we start those conversations around regional and rural health issues. I think there needs to be more awareness of these things because 
the media only kind of allows us to see so much and unless we are putting this in people's faces and saying like this is happening and also people need to care about it as well yeah um but awareness is a huge factor yeah so if there's uh, if there's one thing i can close in in comments is that explore you know whether that's with or without flutter health explore a profession or a career in in country health uh, and even if you know that doesn't interest you start conversations with your colleagues uh, with your leaders um, with your patients you know just bring that awareness up and bring that conversation up because i think conversation goes a long way episode i always finish with the same three questions you may or may not have heard these before but the first question is um, what is the most common question you get asked from patients or colleagues what is the most common question you get asked from patients or colleagues? Uh, wow, that's a really, that's a really, really good question. The most common question I get asked by my patients or colleagues, I'm gonna reframe that into the most co common question I get asked by my colleagues, because I don't treat that many patients mm. anymore, uh, is um, probably how much do you work? Um, so, are they implying you're slacking off? No, no, as in, as in, uh, <laughs> or I the wish. opposite. Yeah, yeah, the I opposite. I think the opposite. We yeah. know you're a higher achiever. Yeah, there's um, there's often a few things on my plate, but yeah, that that's the question I get asked for my colleagues. But you know, I, I achieve good work-life balance. Um, I'm slowly getting my weekends back, which is no, good. Weekends? I know. What, what are those? <laughs> so that's good. That's good. You get it. You need the balance. It, we it got, that goes back to our conversation we had earlier about filling up your cup and maintaining your own health. Second question: If you could live this life again, no limits, zero expectations or restrictions, what career or job would you do? Are we are we talking about in the same era? Yeah, it can be. Okay. Yeah, um, it could be this. Like you're born, you're here now. Yeah, yeah. No restrictions. Uh, Anything. I'm going to give you two answers to that question. Yeah. Uh, I, if it was the exact same era, I wouldn't change anything because I don't regret anything. This, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, I, my both personal and professional life, I've been so blessed um, and very fortunate to be in the position I am right now. But rewind, um, you know, if we rewind 30 years, I'd love to be in the Air Force. Yeah. I would love to be in the Air Force and just flying those really cool machines and um, you know, not, not necessarily cool going to war, but um, I think the Air Force would be pretty cool. You know, it's never too late. <laughs> You've got your aviation there. That's true. You have some physio, so you could even become, you know, like medical officer. That's true. As well as... And I have 10-20 vision or whatever they call it. Look, that, sign them up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Final question. So what is your personal pet hate? Can be anything. Personal uh, pet hate, just something that ergs you. It's just like, oh, that is no. Um, not making the bed in the morning. Yeah? Yeah. That's, but that probably goes down to having that good standard of setting up for the day and yeah. progressing from there. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah, it's the discipline yeah. and the standard that you start the day with. Kind of guides you for the rest of the day. And fun fact, I have a cold shower every morning. Oh, really? Yeah. You're one of the cold shower people. I am one of the cold How shower long, people. Though? Like a 30 second or are we talking two oh, minutes? Oh, like 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's still yeah. cold shower. It's it's getting 
it's getting easier, but it's difficult in winter. But my mindset is, you know, that is, <laughs> and you know, I deal with many challenges um, in my day-to-day work, but honestly, that's probably the hardest thing. The cold shower. The cold shower in the morning. Because it is so hard to turn on the tap and you force, your, you shove so yourself So you don't even go there. and warm, you just, no, it's no, cold. No, you just go, yeah. See, if I had ever wants to do previous times, clearly I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I would have a hot and then finish with it freezing yes. cold and stand there for like, because then you're kind of warmed and then you're just like yes. 15 odd seconds. But yeah. yeah. So that's the hardest thing I do in the morning. Anything else, is, it's not that hard. You just picture yourself at that cold shower. You're like, you know what? This is, that's right. this is easy. It's <laughs> no cold shower. That difficult conversation, not as hard as my yeah. cold shower. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. that's a wrap. Uh, Before I let you run away, I have just put a little conversation that Ken and I had at the end of this episode um, for you to listen into. It was actually at the beginning of our chat, but I've put it at the end for your interest. So have a listen and enjoy the rest of your day. Um, So your question, you said to me, what got me into podcasting? Yeah, yeah. I love a conversation. And also I felt like there wasn't really um, the space for like these kind of conversations yeah. I feel like there's a lot of mainstream media with just everyday stuff but you don't really get to hear behind the scenes of people in health and that kind of industry yeah. and like the good that's going on yeah. you know what I mean like say fly to health for example like how many people really know that all this that goes on and the True. work that's done and helping in the communities and like such amazing work but mm. no one really gets to hear about it so I wanted to kind of just be that space where people could insight to that side of the industry and I think healthcare is a very kind of job as well Mm. and people just don't really get much acknowledgement not that that's what people do it for but there's a lot of people out there that are fantastic in what they do and they're changing so many lives and having such a positive impact that it would be really fucking awesome to like have that out there for people to appreciate For sure. Yeah. I love, I, I love yeah. listening to podcasts. Oh, I do. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, big, big fan of those. And I think it, it shed light. I mean, I, I love um, the high performing people yeah. and just the insight into their life. Recently, I've gotten into F1 because of the Drive to Survive. And it's just following the, the CEO or the team principles of the F1 teams. And it, it just, it tells you so much about their story. And it's yeah. absolutely amazing. I love it. I um, think functioning like driven, I reckon that's, it's yeah. so inspiring. Like yeah. you just look at them and you're like, holy shit, how do you? I agree.